0: Here we are, March 2023. Amen? Most of us are eager for more sunshine. Are you one of those people? Yes. We like longer daylight, don't we? Warmer weather. Which is why we were kind of discouraged, because we had snow and cold in the news for this last weekend. Some people actually canceled plans because they were mindful of this supposed snowstorm that never hit the Chicagoland area. And now we're discouraged on that side of it because it's like, ah, I could have done my plans. But guess what? More snow and cold next weekend. Are you ready? We'll see if we get it. But it's discouraging. It can be very discouraging, but for most of us, This is the way for life in the Midwest, isn't it? This is the way. March is a month that inches us closer to the day that most Americans don't really like too well. Tax day. Do you have your taxes done? We just got ours finished, and I heard the dreaded news from our CPA. Mike, you owe more. That's discouraging, dreadful. Some people have been going through some very disheartening health challenges and it just seems like there's not an end in sight and it's just been a very, very difficult journey for them. Turn on the news, most of our local news, most of our world news just seems to be doom and gloom, doesn't it? And it doesn't seem like it's going to lead to any kind of of change anytime soon. Some of us just stop even watching it all together, you know? And then, as Paul just gave the announcements today, the news about my last Sunday, and I understand when you hear news like that, it can be difficult. There's been many, many things this year that have happened in all of our lives and it's kind of made some people feel like wow 2023 is already hopeless for me it's left a lot of different people feeling quite dismayed and if that's you this morning if that's where you find yourself I want to encourage you this morning I want to lift your spirits up because this is a special day today as Faith Baptist Church, we get to commune with our Savior at his table. Never tire or get uh, bored with this. This is a special day. Special day. We receive hope on these days. We receive hope anytime we open the Word of God because we have a Savior who has the power. To make all things new. Are you thankful for that? Amen. That's our great God. And we open the word of God and we come to multiple passages that lay out the gospel for us. And the gospel always gives us hope, friends. It always gives us hope that you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we can grow. We can can change christ enables all of us who are his children to put off those old habits and He enables us to put on the habits that are pleasing to him our savior sets the captives free friends from life dominating sins one of my favorite things as a biblical counselor is to come alongside someone who's struggling with a life-dominating sin. You feed them the gospel over and over, and you watch the Spirit of God and the Savior just transform them before your eyes, and it just excites you, and you can't wait for the next case. Our Savior has the power to set the captives free from life-dominating sins and to transform them to live for him. So as we come to the table this morning, God wants us to remember this key thought. That Jesus Christ suffered and died to enable all of us to live for Christ and not for ourselves. That's going to be our focus this morning. Christ suffered and died to enable all of us, his children, to live for Christ and not for ourselves. And friends, when we arrive at that understanding, then we have reached the keys for everlasting enjoyment. So I invite you to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at one verse this morning primarily. We'll look at the context around it. But we're going to be honed in on 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15. So I encourage you to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15. And I understand I'm dropping you this morning into one single verse in a 13 chapter book. And so I want to give you some context. The Apostle Paul was the man who founded the church in Corinth, used to God to do so. And he wrote letters to this church that he was used to God to found. And we know some of those letters as 1st and 2nd Corinthians. The Apostle Paul told us himself through his writings that he was determined to finish his course in the ministry that he received from the Lord Jesus. What was that ministry? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That was his purpose. That's what he set out to do. He desired to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. He was disciplined. He was a man of integrity. He worked hard to be effective in his ministry for the Lord. So he wanted nothing ever to damage or to discredit his gospel work. So he had to zealously protect his reputation, and he did so through some of the letters. Because there was many who were spreading false accusations about the Apostle Paul. And who were lying about him and the kind of man that he was. And so after he left this place, Corinth, this church, false teachers go swooping into this church. And they start spreading lies and falsely accusing this man that they esteemed who planted and founded their church. And they wanted to disqualify Paul so that they could then set themselves up and begin to teach their demonic doctrines in this church. And so that led the Apostle Paul to write this very letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in an effort to defend his reputation and explain all the motives, all the incentives, all the reasons for his ministry. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's the context. Let's look a little bit here at a few verses leading up to verse 15. Verse 11, he said to these believers, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So he's explaining his motives. He's saying, I know that judgment day is coming I know, verse 10, that I will stand before God as his child and I will give an account before him for the stewardship of my life, the stewardship of my ministry. And so that's what motivated me to be who I was and do what I did for you, church. I made it my goal, he says, verse 9, to please God. His desire was to exalt God with a life of faithful, devoted service. He makes that clear to these believers. Verse 11, he goes on and says, what we are is known to God. So he's defending himself and he's saying, hey, God knows all about my message. He knows all about my methods, my motives as I ministered. He goes on and finishes verse 11 into 12, and he said, And I hope it's known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance, and not about what is in the heart. And so here Paul is making it known to them, I'm not in this to try to impress God with Outward appearance. I'm not here to try to impress you Corinthians. With outward appearance. He appealed to their conscience. Hoping that the very motives of his heart. Would be obvious. To their hearts. He said very vividly verse 12. He's not seeking their approval. He was seeking their benefit with everything he did. All he simply did was proclaim the gospel with passion to these people, boldly urge these very people in Corinth, turn away from your sins and turn to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Be reconciled with God. And many believed and a church was started. And he knew how devastating it would be for this very church, this established church church, on judgment day, if they turned away from the gospel and embraced these false teachers. He knew if they turned away from the gospel and embraced heresy, that would indicate they didn't even know the Lord and they would end up in hell. He was very concerned for that. And so he said in verse 13, if, if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. Basically told them, I am the way I am in order to please God. If you think I'm too extreme, even borderline insane, no, it's for you. I passionately preach the gospel because it comes from God. Diligently work to get it into your lives because it's the power you need for your lives. And then he comes to a great verse, verse 14. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And so as you look at that verse, especially that first line in that verse again, Paul was overcome by the love of Christ, are you? He was shocked that Jesus paid in full the penalty for his sin. Boggled that Jesus died for Saul of Tarsus. Blew him away. Why? Because he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was an insolent opponent. He was one who used to hate Jesus Christ and hate all Christians. And the fact that that Christ died for him just Overwhelmed him. Overwhelmed him. The love of Christ, verse 14, completely dominated Paul. That's what that word literally means. Held him fast. Christ's love was irresistible to him. Christ's love would not let him go. It overwhelmed and satisfied his soul. It drove his whole life his whole ministry from that moment forward whence he was overcome by it. The love of Christ, verse 14, controlled him. That was the Apostle Paul. But we need to take the time with Christ at his table this morning and look within. We have to ask the question, what is controlling me today? What is controlling me? You see, friends, the Bible is clear. You're either controlled by, verse 14, the love of Christ and righteousness, or you're controlled by the love of self and sin. What is controlling you? You say, well, where does the Bible say that? How does it, where does it distinguish that? It's Romans 6. Romans 6 shows before someone trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ or his or her Savior, the love of self controls him or her. And we see this all around us. Some people spend a lifetime trying to earn or to keep a reputation. I meet with people who are deceived into thinking, if I can just make my boss happy, if I can just Please, my spouse, if I can just get my kids to like me, then I'll be able to know what it means to have joy. Other people spend a lifetime trying to achieve success, deceived into thinking, if I can just get that next Degree. If I can just get that next big promotion, then I'll be able to know what it feels like to have joy. Some people spend a lifetime pursuing after comfort and ease, deceived into thinking, if I could just get a job that's easy if I could just find a place where I can work the fewest amount of hours as possible, if I could just get my kids to do exactly what I say all the way, right away, with a happy heart, then I'll be able to have the time to do what I want. Then I'll be able to play my video games and watch my sports and catch up on my shows. I'll then finally know what it means to experience joy. There's countless people that live life this way, deceived into these thoughts. They think they're in control of their lives. But these selfish pursuits, what do they show? They show that all these people are, as Romans 6 describes them, s- enslaved to sin. They're completely dominated by the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. The Bible describes them in Ephesians 2 as completely dead in the trespasses and sins, living in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and they were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And you read a description like that in Ephesians 2 and you're like, whoa, That's bad news. That's not a pleasant description. No, it isn't. But what's so awesome with the word of God is often when it delivers bad news like this, just right around the corner is the good news. And in the very next two verses of Ephesians 2, it tells us the good news. It says to us, God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Friends, Jesus died to bear our sins and to set us free from them. We remember that at the table this morning. Jesus died to turn us away from being controlled by sin. Romans chapter 6, I've alluded to it once or twice already this morning, it says that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for sin will have no dominion over us. We celebrate that at the table this morning, friends. Jesus did that for us. He enables us, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, to be controlled By the love of Christ. The love of Christ, verse 14, completely dominated Paul. So much so, verse 15, he no longer lived for himself, but for him who for his sake died and was raised. So in other words, Paul refused to live for himself and he aimed to live for Christ. And by way of example... Paul showed the Corinthian believers, and now you and I today as a church, exactly this truth that we are in a very good position in our lives when we're controlled by the amazing love of Christ. Is that what controls you this morning? When that's true of you, friends, it's exciting. When you're controlled by the love of Christ, it means that Jesus sets you on a new course. He gives you a new goal in life. And when you get onto that new course and you say, I want to do nothing but run this race and finish it, I want to complete this journey, I want to receive the prize. That's my goal. When you arrive to that point, you know what it means to have everlasting joy. Everlasting enjoyment. Verse 9, God tells us that my purpose, your purpose in life is to, say it with me church, please God. That's your purpose in Christ, friends. That's why you exist. You exist to please God. What does that ultimately mean? It means that you aren't out there and enslaved to please other people. As long as you're focused on pleasing God, that's all that really matters. Nor are you enslaved and living a life striving to please yourself. You're on a new course now. I don't want to go down that old path of pleasing myself I've lived too long on that path I want to be on this new course I want to go after this new goal pleasing God Paul said this in different way verse 15 our purpose in life is to glorify God how by living for the one who died for our sakes and was raised again that's why we exist that's our purpose believers Please, God, glorify God, living for him, not for ourselves. So if you want to truly experience everlasting enjoyment, both now and forevermore, if the love of Christ, you would say, honestly, before Jesus at his table, yes, Lord, that controls me, then here's what's going to be the result. You're going to refuse to live for yourself. And you're going to aim to live for Christ from this day forth and forevermore. Friends, those are the two keys for everlasting enjoyment. And far too often believers are deceived into thinking, well, I I want to do that, Pastor. But but you don't understand. I can't right now because I have circumstances in my life that are hindering me from being able to do this fully right now. Some would say, if, if, if I had a spouse who would come alongside and help me, then I could, then I could, then I could live for Christ. But I don't have a spouse, I need a spouse. Some would say, I have a spouse, but I need a godlier spouse. If I had a godlier spouse, then I could do what you're asking me to do from the word of God here, live for Christ. Some say if I had a different job, if I had better hours, if I had more pay, if I had better benefits, then I could for sure be able to live for Christ. But right now, uh, all all that pursuit is monopolizing my time and and, and I I just can't do it. My circumstances need to change. We have a lot of people who are battling health and a lot of times people can think, well, if, if I had better health, I could certainly live for Christ better. I mean, if I could just have this chronic disease, if I could have this painful diagnosis that's just bearing me down, if I could just have all that go away, then I would be able to live for Christ. But nowhere in the scriptures do we ever read about the Apostle Paul arriving at those deceptive conclusions. Nowhere. He knew that in order to change the way you live outwardly, you have to change the way you think inwardly. And so what did Paul do to change the way he thought inwardly? He did what he wants you and I to do. What he wrote about, focus on the gospel. Meditate on the gospel. He concluded, verses 14 and 15, in his heart that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And Jesus died for all and was raised on our behalf as our substitute. And for this reason, verse 14, the love of Christ controlled Paul. For this reason, the love of Christ enabled Paul to make much of Jesus and not himself with his life. In another place in scripture, he wrote these great words. You probably memorized them. He said, I've been crucified. My old self was crucified with Christ. In order that this body of sin might be brought to nothing. It's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. It's no longer enslaved to sin on this journey. I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm controlled by the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And he concluded in verses 16 and 17 in his heart that from now on. Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, what's your Bible say, church? New creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And what he's saying is, friends, in Corinth, Saul of Tarsus Died with Christ. And Paul, the apostle, lives in Christ. That's what he was saying to them. I'm a new person. I have a new purpose. He aimed to live for Christ to the max. All that mattered to the apostle Paul was Christ's glory and honor. Christ's goals and purposes Christ's truth and prize. Sunday school we're studying through Philippians tells us Paul pressed on to be like Christ. He pressed on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. His desire, according to Philippians 1:20 20 and 21, was that Christ would be honored in his body, whether by life or by death. He said, for to live is Christ and to die is gain. In another place, he told the believers in Rome, if I live, I live to the Lord. If I die, I die to the Lord. So whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. That was Paul's motive, method. That was his ministry. That's what he desired. But as we're... With the Lord at his table. It's important for us to remember that we died with Christ. Remember that at the table. We died with Christ. And we not only died with Christ, but when you came to trust in Jesus, we were raised to new life in him. New course, new purpose, new goal, new prize. We no longer live for ourselves, but instead we live for the one who sacrificially gave himself for us. You see, friends, the gospel isn't just the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's also the power of God for transforming us into righteous people. Every believer is a, verse 17, new creation. And we are what we are in Christ. Jesus, our Savior, is unique. Amen? One of a kind. No one like him. He's the God-man. He is infinitely valuable. Nothing is more satisfying in your life and forevermore than to know Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain. Christ and so friends regardless of what we're going through right now in our lives what is discouraging what is difficult what will continue in the days ahead we have through that journey the keys to everlasting enjoyment don't we refuse to live for yourself and aim to live for Christ Through it all. Let's give thanks to God. At his table. For enabling us. To do just that. Father thank you so much. For this good word. We thank you for your grace in our lives. And I pray that you would give us. Just a passion and a zeal. To know Jesus more and more. And to never tire. Of the word of God. And I pray that we would see any time we get to commune with our Savior at his table as a special time, a time to give us hope, to give us help for those difficult and discouraging days that we go through. And so use this time in a special way to make us more and more righteous for your glory and to encourage us that if we stay this course, we will receive the prize, we will experience what we all want, everlasting enjoyment. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.